You're listening to Valley Edition. I'm Kathleen Schock. Roughly 1,800 newspapers have closed in the United States since 2004, the vast majority of which were weekly publications that served small communities. But here in Central California, the Mariposa Gazette is still going strong. In fact, it's the state's oldest weekly newspaper. I talked to the paper's editor and co-owner, Greg Little. He was in his newsroom when we spoke, and you can occasionally hear the labels for the latest edition being printed in the background. We talked about the book he recently wrote and the future of small-town newspapers. I'm curious about the title of your book. Can you explain the significance of it to our listeners? Well, the title is Dash 30 Dash, and it used to be um, at the end of every press release you got from anywhere in the world, it Dash 30 Dash. And it, it, and what I've learned, what I think, it, it traces back to the Civil War era and um, telegraphs, and that's how they would end a transmission, would, would be the, the, the number 30. And that meant the end. So the significance of the title, it doesn't mean the end of journalism, <laughs> which some people have said, but I'm glad you made, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually a hopeful sign that maybe it is an ending. That's that's my big thing, really. And and the, the subtitle is about why you know local journalism has to survive, or I think we're in big trouble. We'll say more about that. What happens to communities when they lose their local small town newspaper? Well, I think it's proven and I've seen studies and all this. They're called news deserts when these papers either go under or they're taken over by big corporations and basically gutted. And all they use is copy from other papers and stuff. And what happens is the local government officials know this very well. And it causes shenanigans in local government. And that hurts the public who funds the local government. You know, we're here for a reason. And that's to keep an eye on the people who we put in office and give our money to, to do the right things. And I think that's the biggest issue right now. So you took ownership of the Mariposa Gazette back in 2018. And, and I'm curious to hear from a business perspective, what sets your paper apart from other small town newspapers that have folded in recent years? I think that the one, the biggest, the biggest thing that sets us apart and others around the country is local ownership. We own it. We don't answer to corporations. We are the corporation, so to speak. And uh, so from there, what we did was basically take the model from when I got in this business 40 some years ago, the model was pretty simple. Cover your local government, cover your local schools, cover sports and offer you know fair advertising rates. And it's a model that's worked for a hundred years in this country. And if you can have local ownership, you can do that. But when you get into the corporate ownership, it doesn't work. Or it, I shouldn't say it doesn't work. It can work. But from what I've seen, it doesn't work very well. You have to buy into your community. Okay, we do things like put floats in parades. And, you know, we've got a Christmas uh, writing contest coming up. And we put on political debates. These are things that local media has to do to get buy-in from the community. I say in my book that 
you know, how do you expect the community to support you in advertising if you don't support the community? It's, you know, we're a small business like all others, and we have to act like that. But what about digital? How has that impacted your business model? Well, you know, for us, it, it actually has grown. You know, we have a pretty good chunk of online only but what we found here, at least, and, and, and I found this in other communities similar to ours, which are basically destination communities. You can look in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. There's, there's examples all around the country. The coast of California is a good example. There are a lot of small papers there, and the print product is still strong. We've grown our, our circulation here in the last three years significantly, probably 10 to 15 percent in print. So we use the web to augment that, but I think you probably know, and a lot of people know that the digital advertising revenue just isn't there to support an entire operation. So I believe you can use both, you know, effectively. Well, tell us a little bit about your paper and and what a typical week is like in your newsroom. <laughs> you know, somebody else asked me that and I said, is there a typical week? I mean, you know, we print, we, we publish officially on Thursdays, but we get the paper here on Wednesdays. Today actually is, is Wednesday and this is the day we get the paper. We go to press Tuesdays at two o'clock, but, you know, once we do that, Tuesday at three o'clock, we start on the next week. You know, I don't... I consider myself a uh, pretty mellow owner, you know, but the one thing I demand is local news. This week we have 36 pages. It's all local news from the front to the back. And it's everything you can imagine from COVID, obviously, but feature story about a new group of bicycle riders that's formed. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, The 4-H, their enrollment's open. We had a story about that. I mean, we have myself as the editor and then two full-time writers. And then we have a, a part-time writer in Eastern Madera County. And so it's just story after story after story. That's what we do. That's how it works around here. So a typical week is really never typical. So you mentioned COVID. Yeah. How, how did the pandemic uh, affect your operations? Well, we never closed our doors. Uh, well, we closed our doors at the public for a while, but um, we stayed in this office and we covered it. And I think actually, if there's any good that comes out of this pandemic is the thirst for local information just grew exponentially during this. And our circulation went up, our inquiries went up. We have had a COVID story on our front page since March of last year. So we do everything we can to get the word out. And, um, but as, as far as impacting us, it, in some ways it helped because people got, they need to know the local angle. And right now we're in the surge up here. So it's still impacting us, but we've tried to keep, we've kept the doors open. We've kept the public informed. And to me, that's our role. You know, in the book, you write about a time when journalists were thought of as heroes, uh, which certainly is not the case today. You know, we're at a moment where the public's trust in journalism is at near historic lows. What are your thoughts about how we might go about rebuilding the relationship between journalists and the publics that they serve? Well, Kathleen, that is a 
<laughs> that's a great question and that's a hard one to answer. I think my, my take on it is this, what people see and call journalism is to me, a, a vast majority of it are the cable news shows that are on in the evenings, which are opinions, they're opinion shows. That's what they are, but they are not called that. They don't see that and people take it as news. You know, we have an opinion section in our paper for that, for opinions. Otherwise it's all straight news. And I think that's where people in general think journalism is all that. And it's not, you know, I have discussions with people all the time. You know, I consider people like you, I consider writers at the New York Times, the LA Times, the Chronicle in San Francisco, the small papers around the country. We're all brothers and sisters as far as I'm concerned. And we're all in this together. And 99% of us are just out there trying to do a good job and inform the public. But it's that 1% that gets all the publicity, I guess, for lack of a better word. And people think that's journalism and it's opinion. And I think somehow we've got to separate that. I don't have the answer, obviously, or I wouldn't be sitting here. But um, somehow we've got to get people to understand that the vast majority of us are simply trying to do our jobs, raise families, do everything everybody else does and inform the public. That's our number one goal. How we get there, I wish I had the answer, but I, I don't know that I do. It seems to me that part of it has to do with the nationalization of journalism, that so many people are paying more attention to the New York Times or the Washington Post than they are their local newspaper. I agree. And I think that's where we somehow as local media have to get out there and show them what we can do. But again, to me, it goes back to corporate journalism, which obviously New York Times is corporate journalism. You know, all the major networks are corporate journalism. But what people don't realize is that corporate journalism trickles down. You know, when when these mergers began, they began even when I was getting in this, when Newspapers started, you know, gobbling up other newspapers. But back then, they let the local people, the, the, the smaller papers they bought, have the autonomy. They don't do that anymore. So, yeah, a town might have a local paper, but it's full of other regional news, and they don't buy into that. Somehow, some way, we got to find a way to get these smaller publications back into the hands of local ownership. I don't see any other way that it's going to change you know until we do that and we can get out there and show people you know if you look at our paper compared to some others and i'm not sitting here with a you know giant head or anything but when you look at what we're doing and look at what some other ones doing that are major corporations own there's no comparison they're not out there at the, the football game or at the board of supervisors meetings and covering the news that people want to hear i think that's where it's gone wrong I've been talking with Greg Little, the editor and co-owner of the Mariposa Gazette. Thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.